Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Corumbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, along with Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus. We have bad, bad, and bad martinis for conservatives today. I'm guessing that comes as no surprise given the events of the weekend. There will also be a special discussion at the end of our podcast today related to the fact that I was out last week. We'll get to that uh, towards the end. Jim, let's start with bad martini number one, and the other two will flow from this. Saturday and into early Sunday morning, we once again saw the worst, and in some cases in response, the best of America. Two horrific uh, mass shootings, one at a Walmart that then spread into a mall in El Paso, Texas. We've also received word this morning that two more people who had been hospitalized had been killed, meaning 22 are dead in El Paso. And there are nearly 30 others who are still injured. Then overnight, uh, Saturday into Sunday, Dayton, Ohio, nine dead, 26 injured. The shooter there is dead. The one in El Paso is in custody. Looks like he killed his sister first and then uh, tried to go on a rampage in a very popular nightlife area. And the folks there are saying if he had gotten into the bar, it would have been complete carnage and if the cops hadn't gotten there in about 30 seconds and neutralized him that uh, things could have been much much worse there as well so we keep hearing the same things uh, in response to this jim uh, perhaps in some different intensity Uh, we know that in the case of the el paso shooter it appears that there are some serious white nationalist streaks to this person we'll find out what police can glean from him in interrogation and so forth and so that is triggering a lot of discussion about how people talk around this country, how the president talks around this country, and at his rallies and so forth. There's also the discussion, of course, of mental health, of guns, of uh, secularization of this country. So many different areas we can go into. But once again, uh, American communities are deeply grieving, and uh, we are no closer to solving this problem, it seems. Yeah. uh, I don't know about you, Greg, but I spent a good chunk of Sunday just checking my phone on a regular basis, waiting for the next one. We've talked about the concept that this seems to spread virally, that often you get copycats, often, you know, we clearly have a significant number of angry young men in this country. And today's jolt I talked about, look, you very rarely find one trait that applies to all of them, but you often find traits that a lot of them share. Often there's some degree of mental illness, sometimes explicitly diagnosed, sometimes not quite diagnosed. Violent video games, sometimes they really are really into first-person shooters and all that stuff. Sometimes they're not. A lot of them spend a lot of time on the internet. Sometimes it's sites that are explicitly Columbiners, people who are obsessed with school shootings and things like that. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you get 4chan and 8chan. Very often you don't have a father in the home. Very often you have people who don't have any friends. Certainly you very rarely see shooters who have a big support network and feel loved and feel appreciated and uh, all of that. You know, so the other words, like when people say, oh, it's this, it's that, look, not everybody who has mental illness is going to become a mass shooter. In fact, very, very few of them are. Not every gun owner is a potential mass shooter. 
Not every person who gets kicked out of school is a potential mass shooter. But when you put enough of those traits together, then you do have someone who does seem to be at a higher risk of becoming a, a uh, mass shooter. And, and we've been through this so many times that it really seems so deeply infuriating that we, we have these angry debates and a lot of finger pointing, a lot of accusations that you have blood on your hands and a lot of it, like, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about background checks in a second, but as, as far as we know, both of these shooters purchased their guns legally. Neither one had a, a criminal record. Apparently the Dayton shooter uh, was thrown out of school after he created a list of women who he wanted to rape, kill, and then skin. Now, I know teenage boys are full of hormones and can say and do stupid things. And we've had lots of people, you know, you know, like people know about kids getting drunk. That's not normal. That's not, oh, I'm mad about getting a bad grade today or somebody wouldn't go out with me or something like that. When you're, you know, so apparently he gets suspended from school, but he gets readmitted to school when he writes a letter of apology. I'm sorry, if your kid writes <laughs> write the list of people he wants to skin, I'd like something a little bit more than a letter of apology. It's kind of baffling that, you know, at no point did this, that's a threat, right? That, that's, you know, in some jurisdictions, some people would argue that's a crime. Even without that, there was no mandatory psych evaluation or anything like that. And if either of those had occurred, he would have been barred from purchasing firearms. But apparently the school district just didn't think it rose to that level. Sneaking suspicion that we have another one of those circumstances like down in Florida where the school really didn't want to acknowledge the potential for crimes, really didn't want to acknowledge the danger in order to create this perception that things were safe, create this perception that things were getting better. And now we see the consequences of that. Just a deeply frustrating weekend, Greg. And, you know, the, the, the sense is we're not likely to see any dramatic action after it, meaning it's just a matter of time until this happens all over again. Exactly right. Of course, the... Um outrage and, and finger pointing and, and blaming uh, happens almost instantaneously now. It's been going on for a while, actually, in response to these shootings. And uh, given that we're in the age of social media, that's not going to change anytime soon either. All right. One more bit of good news, Andy. And that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4 slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. And, of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared when your power goes out. It's going to happen eventually. It's just a question of whether you're in the dark for a few minutes, a few hours, or maybe even a few days or more. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X, worth its weight in gold. It's now got double the capacity, and it'll keep your big appliances running, including your fridge, which is full of food that just keeps getting more and more expensive. It's got 12 outlets, including 4 AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than normal. So visit 4Patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4Patriots.com slash martini. That's 4Patriots.com slash martini. Let's talk about the politics of this to some extent. Uh, first with President Trump. And then with uh, the reaction from some of the prominent Democrats, including some who are running for president, President Trump, for the most part, uh, laid rather low over the weekend. He did make a public statement from the White House earlier on Monday. He did address the scourge of white nationalism, talked about a number of other things that could be done to address uh, mental health and, and even some, um, some gun-related uh, policy. But uh, what we're going to talk about here is a series of tweets that he had this morning, two in particular. He says, quote, We cannot let those killed in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio, die in vain. 
Likewise, for those so seriously wounded, we can never forget them and those many who came before them. Republicans and Democrats must come together and get strong background checks, perhaps marrying this legislation with desperately needed immigration reform. We must have something good, if not great, come out of these two tragic events. So, uh, Jim, the president's been pushing for immigration reform on a number of levels for a long time. Uh, the Democrats, of course, have been wanting more gun control legislation ever since Sandy Hook, if not even before that. So what do you make of the president trying to bring the two sides together in common cause here? Uh, not impressed. Um, I should point out the president did address the country at 10 o'clock this morning. He said everything that was appropriate. He specifically called out white supremacy, uh, which appeared to be at the work uh, in, in the mind of the shooter in El Paso. It's worth noting if you care about such things, the social media history of the shooter up in Dayton uh, suggested that he was a more left-wing person. Now, as I pointed out in the morning, Jolt, much to some people's irritation, Greg, the fact that he wanted to skin people in high school strikes me as kind of an important red flag there, much more than, hey, he supports uh, Elizabeth Warren. But, you know, look, with enough people, you can look at the enough shooters over the years to say, look, some of this is coming from, if not the alt-right, then from this mentality of we are under attack the, if the manifesto that was posted online claims that this you know we're, we're being invaded by hispanics we're being invaded by mexicans comments that are just a little uncomfortably simply you know in, in the same vein of the president's comments on immigration now i'm glad the president said everything he was supposed to say today reading from a teleprompter that's not the tone he was taking this morning on twitter and as you mentioned he was kind of quiet over the weekend now we've seen what trump is like when he's really mad We've seen Twitter tirades that just go on and you, you just feel the fury coming through your phone screen as you're looking at the president's tweets. Um, think about the way he took Comey and Mueller and, and you know, lying media and, and all that kind of stuff. And he, you know, while the president said what was appropriate today, I keep waiting. And I think people are waiting for this after Charlottesville for President Trump to just denounce the heck out of these guys with that kind of visible you know, bile in the back of your throat anger that we know Trump is capable of. Uh, people debate whether Trump is a white supremacist, whether Trump is a racist, whether Trump is an anti-Semite. Look, very few anti-Semites have their daughter marry a Jewish man. Trump has people of every race and creed and color working in his administration. Having said that, Trump, for whatever reason, when he sees these sorts of things, doesn't go off. Like, like why? There's a question of like, does this anger Trump? And if so, does he show it? And like I said, it was, everything was perfectly fine today. I mentioned to see what tone he takes in the coming days. Let's also point out that he basically, you know, in following up that tweet you mentioned earlier, basically made it sound like the shooters were, were media critics. Quote, the media has a big responsibility to life and safety in our country. Fake news has contributed greatly to the anger and rage that has built up over many years. News coverage has got to start being fair, balanced, and unbiased, or even these terrible problems will only get worse. Now, Greg, longtime listeners know you and I will knock around the media like a pinata on a regular basis on this program. We, we have real beefs with the mainstream media and the way they frame things, the way they cover things, the tone they take, et cetera, et cetera. But these guys didn't do what they did today because of media bias. These guys didn't do what they did today. Now, there's some argument whether mass shooters get motivated because of the coverage of mass shooters, that they want their names out there. Um, you know, everybody in America probably has a manifesto in their heads of what they think is right and what they think is wrong. But nobody listens. And nobody cares because, you know, you're just some schmo. Why should we listen to you? But then you go and you shoot up a Walmart. And you go up and you shoot up some restaurant. All of a sudden, well, what was going through his head? What was bothering him? And all of a sudden, we care what that person's manifesto was. 
I'm not saying the president has totally flunked the handling of this. Uh, I just I, I just like to see as much anger as he can muster towards this, because I you know again I don't think Trump wants the support of white supremacists, but he sure acts like a man who is afraid that he will lose a significant portion of his support if he fully full throatedly spittle flecking denounces white supremacists. It'd be nice if he when he talks about you know hey something terrible has happened now I can get immigration reform passed. You know, I, I don't think that's very helpful. I don't think that really moves the ball. Hey, something terrible happened. It's the media's fault. No, you know, this is this is not what the American president is supposed to do. And, you know, it was kind of fascinating to watch over the weekend people saying now is the time for Trump to address the country and really unify us and show leadership. And, you know, again, why, why are you expecting this man to be a completely different person than he's been his entire life? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What we hear from all sectors, and this is kind of a transition to the, the third bad martini, is, well, if he's really serious about this, he'll do X. So it immediately becomes a Rorschach test on a person's political agenda. But when it comes to the left and, and Democrats in particular, if you actually ask them directly, they'd probably say the shooter was responsible for the shooting. But they're really out there essentially blaming President Trump for his rhetoric over the years for essentially inspiring such an attack, particularly the one in El Paso. Uh, CNN State of the Union had a four-hour edition on Sunday. Seven different presidential candidates went on, as well as some who aren't running for president, uh, Sherrod Brown of Ohio being one. We've got Kamala Harris, uh, Sherrod Brown, and three from Beto O'Rourke here, uh, essentially uh, ramping up the rhetoric against President Trump, starting with Harris. And this is where... We also have to acknowledge that we have a president of the United States who uses the microphone, which is probably one of the most powerful tools in the hand of the president of the United States, and uses that microphone in a way that is about sowing hate and division in our country. Here's Sherrod Brown. I would just hope the president would uh, would begin to try to, would, would stop the divisive uh, racist rhetoric that he has employed increasingly. And then O'Rourke uh, prompted by Jake Tapper here. A couple excerpts. Do you think President Trump is a white nationalist? Yes, I, I do. And again, uh, from some of the record that I just recited to you, the, the things that he has said, both as a, a candidate uh, and then as the president of the United States, this cannot be uh, open for, for debate. He is saying that some people are inherently defective or dangerous, reminiscent of something that you might hear in the Third Reich, not something that you expect in the United States of America. Let's be very clear about what is causing this and who the president is. He is an open, avowed racist and is encouraging more racism in this country. And this is uh, incredibly dangerous for the United States of America right now. All of us have a responsibility to stand up and be counted on this issue. So he not only says Trump is responsible, but was the first one to uh, make the third right comparison, Jim. So what do you make of how the Democrats are responding here? Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you have a smidgen of sympathy for Beto O'Rourke. This is happening in his hometown. Um, I'm sure when something this terrible happens to a place where you're that close, 
you know, the odds that Beto O'Rourke knows somebody who was shot are, are pretty good. Having said that, this is a guy who's always going to have this performative aspect to uh, everything he's done in his campaign. And you kind of knew that this was a chance where he would be out there and, you know, oh, the Democratic base really hates Trump. Well, I'm going to play him. An, I'm going to call him a Nazi. I'm going to call him a white supremacist. I'm going to, you know, again, the, the recognition that every, almost every Democratic presidential candidate would look at this and say, aha, this is why we need background checks. You know, I, I'm waiting for somebody to say, the, oh, this is why we need to, cl- to close the gun show loophole, even though mass shooters do not purchase their guns at gun shows. It, you know, it is really remarkable how, people, how adamantly people cling to solutions that really wouldn't done, have changed anything in the aftermath of a, prote- of a particular shooting. But they just they cling to it. They, you know, they're bitter clinging, you could say, Greg. Uh, <laughs> one of the few chuckles you get out of our podcast today. You know, that they, they oh, if we just we just got rid of it. I remember the um, in Virginia, after Virginia Tech, there they had a Virginia Tech uh, a family member of one of the victims doing TV ads as part of Michael Bloomberg's group. And he kept talking about how we need to, to, you know, close the gun show loophole. The Virginia Tech shooter didn't buy his guns at a gun show. This is a solution in search of a problem, right? Now, if we really had a lot of criminals, a lot of people committing terrible attacks, having purchased their guns at gun shows, this would be a legit argument, I would say. You see occasionally on one of the conservative uh, discussion groups I'm part of, it was an interesting discussion about magazine clip limits and the idea that if you have too many, too many parts, it was really kind of frightening to see that the guy in Dayton had a 100 round drum barrel for his weapon that he could fire 100 shots before reloading. That was a, you know, I look at that and like, geez, Louise, who needs that? But it's worth noting, this is probably not going to make a significant difference in mass shootings, in part because a good number, a good percentage of mass shooters uh, go and with, bring more than one weapon. And I believe, I guess, at least as of 2015, and this is quoting every town for gun safety, this is a pro-gun control group, they found out that 11% of uh, the mass shooters used weapons that had expanded clips or, or basically had more rounds than you than you normally find. It's not a factor in most mass shootings. Like I said, most people bring more than one gun. They run out of ammunition with one. They just switch to the other gun. Now, if you put that into effect, is it possible they'd be able to fire six shots, seven shots, something like that, then have to pause to reload, and then either the cops or an armed citizen can jump in and take the person down? Yeah, maybe that does, you know, instead of these shootings endings with 25 shots fired or 30 shots fired, maybe you stop them with 20 shots fired or maybe 15 shots fired. That's not going to end mass shootings. You might mitigate a bit of the damage on the margin. So if gun control advocates could be a little more honest about what these things would actually do, maybe you'd get some cooperation there. But we're not going to get it because these people... Well, again, the sneaking suspicion is that a lot of these people like having this issue to run on and aren't willing to take anything that involves anything resembling half a loaf or involves some compromise. And we end up right back where we started. And it just uh, perpetuates what we've seen throughout this early primary campaign already. And that's uh, an immediate sprint to as far left as you can possibly get. And so that aspect of this campaign doesn't seem to be changing at all with the news of these tragedies. In the end, at some point, someone has to put a, a little bit of blame on the Democratic primary electorate for, you know, look, what do they value? An unwillingness to compromise. All right, Jim, a lot of sad news uh, in Texas and Ohio and, and for the nation as a whole. But uh, as I mentioned at the top, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, one other thing. Our regular listeners might have noticed I was out all of last week. I wish I could say I was on vacation, but I wasn't. Around the time we recorded two Fridays ago, I got a call informing me that my dad had passed away. He had been in declining health for a long time, and while his death did not come as a shock at all, 
We did hope he had a few more weeks, but that wasn't to be. He was 86 years old. My dad did a lot of different things in his life. He was a U.S. Army veteran, got a bachelor's and master's degrees in preparation for being a teacher, which he did for a year. He enjoyed teaching English and drama, but the bureaucratic structure of the education system was clearly not for him. For example, there is a general protocol for disciplining students. He had other ideas. One day in English class, some boys were playing poker in the back of the class. He told them to stop. They started up again a couple minutes later. He told them to stop, and after a few rounds of this going around, he told the boys to come in after school, which they did at 3 o'clock. And they came in. He closed the door. Sit down, he told them. They did. Do you still have the cards, he asked. They did. Good. Deal and ante up, he said. He subsequently cleaned them out of the few bucks they had on them and told them never to play cards in class again. And they didn't. Uh, from there, he learned about real estate and construction. Without any formal training, he designed and built an apartment complex, started a home building firm, and built the home our family lived in from before I was born to where he lived for the rest of his life. Right after I was born, he launched a new venture, investment advising, also entirely self-taught, and made that his career until his retirement. Not long after he started that business, he got elected to the city council and eventually ran for mayor and won. Due, I'm sure, to an eight-year-old running brochures door-to-door over the north side part of town. He spearheaded, uh, as mayor, a major economic expansion and led the rewriting of the city charter. And he was also famously frugal with taxpayer dollars. So if you ever wonder why I get so frustrated with all the spending in Washington, it's because I watched him tighten the belt for our own town. Uh, A quick story on that. Just minutes before his funeral, a friend of mine from the local radio station ran up to me and said, I've got to tell you my favorite story about your dad. One time at a city council meeting, a guy from the local softball league stood up and said the softball field needed new lights and the league didn't have any money. So could the city please dip into the emergency fund to help out? Dad paused for a moment and said, I've never seen a softball game that was an emergency. End of discussion. (laughs) So there you go. It was pretty quick uh, with the wit and the decision. When he uh, retired from a second stint on the city council six years ago, The local TV station did a story on him and asked what the secret to good government was. He said it was actually pretty simple. You just try to use common sense and uh, hope that there's integrity in the people you're dealing with. Beyond all that, he was a husband of 50 years, a wonderful dad with a fantastic sense of humor, and, of course, he adored his grandkids. God blessed us richly with the life of Ted Corumbus, and I, of course, We'll miss him greatly as well. So, Jim, I thank you for your kindness in the past few days and really the past several months in accommodating my efforts to visit him as much as possible and everyone here at Radio America. Uh, The outpouring of prayers and support to our family has really meant a lot. So I I thank you and all the others who have done so. Greg, you know, I I feel bad I never had a chance to meet him, but I heard you talk about him, you know, not just these last couple months, but over the years. God, what a character. (laughs) a, A fascinating man. We, we all tend to kind of put our dads up on a pedestal, or a lot of us do, but like, you you you, you have the proof, you got the receipts, you got the record uh, of what made him such an extraordinary human being. Uh, and I just want to say, Greg, you know, and I, I suspect I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of our listeners, I, it's unbelievably tragic when we have to say goodbye to somebody, but I think it's also very clear that a lot of him lives on in you. And um, I will I will end this before I get any choked up or anything like that, but uh, you know. The Columbus family has given the world a great deal, and uh, we hope you guys, you know, get through all this okay. We're doing well. We're doing well so far. Thanks for the prayers for my mom and the rest of our family. Jim, I appreciate uh, your sentiments as well. And uh, 
give your dad a hug the next time you see him, for those of you who still have your dad. So, Jim, on that note, we will end an extraordinarily somber day on the Three Martini Lunch and uh, reconvene tomorrow, hopefully with much happier news. On behalf of Jim Garrity of National Review, I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Please tune in again tomorrow for the next Three Martini Lunch. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus